Hey there, it's Chip, host of the Restaurant Strategy Podcast, and I am here to let you know that I am hosting a three-day marketing challenge on June 6th, 7th, and 8th. I want you to join me. It's totally free, absolutely actionable, and even if that's not enough, we've got some great giveaways we're going to do throughout the week. Here's the deal. On this show, you know we talk a lot about strategies. We talk about mindset shifts, but I know that sometimes you just need some quick wins. So each of the three days of this challenge, I'm gonna share with you a a trick, a tactic, something that you're gonna be able to put into practice right away that will move the needle in your business. And I mentioned, right, there are gonna be some giveaways. So let's talk about how uh, how this challenge is gonna work. In each of the three days, you're gonna wake up, you're gonna watch a video. That video is like five or 10 minutes long. It's a simple lesson teaching you about something that you can do for your business. And then there's an assignment, right? There's a challenge. I want you to take that information and apply it directly to your business. Each day, you get up, you watch the video, you do the challenge, and you report back to me and to the rest of the community proving that you did it. Then I'm gonna take everybody that did the challenge that day and I'm gonna put you in for a drawing for a prize. I'm going to give away a prize on Monday, on Tuesday, and on Wednesday. And guess what? Then on the third day, right, we're doing a bonus day Q&A live on Zoom with me. It's 30 minutes. I'm going to show up and answer whatever questions you have about the things we talked about on the uh, on the challenge or anything at all. As long as we've got time, I will sit there and answer your questions. Everybody, as long as you complete all three days of the challenge, right, all three of the challenges, your name gets put into a hat. At the end of that Q&A session, I'm going to draw a name from a hat, and one lucky person is going to win a spot a free spot in my Restaurant Accelerator Group Coaching Mastermind. This is a year-long program, two hours a week, every single week for a year. It is priced at $5,800 regularly, and I'm giving one spot away to one lucky person. But you gotta show up. You gotta sign up for the challenge. You gotta do the challenge. You gotta show up to that Q&A session to get that spot. Here's how to join. Visit www.restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash challenge. Again, restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash challenge. As always, that link is in the show notes. And make sure to come back because today we're talking all about free money with tax professional Catherine Tyndall. There is money out there that belongs to you and you're leaving it on the table. Trust me, she explains exactly how to go get it. Don't go anywhere. There's an old saying goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close, and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly podcast all about helping chefs and operators build more profitable restaurants. Each week, we toggle back and forth between a monologue-style format and an interview, but the goal is always the same, to take complicated concepts, both on the marketing side and the operations side, put them together, make them both understandable and actionable. Why? Because like I always say, information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. Now, my guest on today's show is a woman by the name of Catherine Tyndall. She is a CPA and she is here to talk about free money. She's an accountant, right? And she's here to talk to us about uh, taxes and money and accounting. And she's 
promised me that she's going to make it interesting. Catherine, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Chip. I know I, I always promise we're going to try to keep it as light and fun as possible, if that's something you could do with taxes and accounting. <laughs> that's great. So here's the thing, is that I was really hesitant about talking about taxes on this show for the mm. fear that people would say taxes, I don't want to talk about taxes. So why, why should we talk about taxes and why are you so passionate about it? I think for a lot of small business owners, it's one of those things where it's so complicated and it's you know such a new environment for people when when you're self-employed that you kind of want to stick your head in the sand about it um but once you start making money you know running your business and you're starting to get those paychecks you know having to deal with it it can then become kind of one of your biggest cash flow headaches that goes on um you know because especially once you start getting into the higher levels and depending on where what state you're operating out of you know you could be losing like 40 percent of your take home to taxes and so it just quickly becomes a uh, you know, what are things that I can actually do to reduce how much I'm paying? Um, you know, is this stuff all structured right? Like, are there ways that I can actually get this number lower? Because it's, it's, uh, you know, I always tell people you don't want to spend the first, uh, you know, four or five months of the year working for the government, right? Because that's what happens, basically, if that's how much you're losing to taxes, is that that first four or five months, it's all just going, you're working for the government. Um, so, I think it's one of those things where once you kind of get to that second level of, you know, you're starting to turn a profit in your companies and you're starting to feel that pain, uh, it's worth doing some more exploration on, you know, are there ways that we can actually reduce this because it, it it's, uh, yeah, once you're writing those checks out, it's really painful. Yeah, <laughs> and I think everybody listening to the show can cer certainly feel that. And here's the thing, here's what happens, is that something that hurts, you don't want to go towards it, right? You mm, touch a hot yep. stove, you don't want to go yep. towards it anymore. And so... Um, if there's anybody left actually still <clears throat> listening to this episode, um, thank you. Um, this is the hot stove, and we're going to learn how to touch it uh, properly and and uh, and make more money because of it. So I was joking around with Catherine before we hit record, and I've certainly said this on the show, but um, I firmly believe that um, uh, the small business owners, restaurant owners, um, deserve a, a, a business that works as hard as they do, uh, as hard as they do. And so I w I'd like to split this conversation up into two main chunks. And before we hit record, um, Catherine and I were talking about what she uh, what she does a lot of, which is sort of tax planning. And especially over the last two years with COVID, is really working through some of these credits that are available to the government. So I want to uh, spend the first big chunk really talking about that because I think things are going to be very actionable. This is what's out there. This is how you go get it. Or this is what you should ask your CPA about. Or this is what you should be looking at. So we're going to spend the first little bit on that. And I think it's about how you recover money that belongs to you. Um, and then I want to spend the second half of the conversation really talking about um, other sort of like financial literacy, uh, literacy, um, cash flow, um, uh, you know, forecasting, how we build uh, budgets and pro formas or how we build pro formas that will allow us to build budgets for the different departments with the understanding that most of the listeners of this show are small business uh, owners, right? They're they're independent operators. They've got one, maybe two or three locations. I think that covers the majority of the listeners here, right? It's their, this is their passion project. It's their um, their lifeblood. It's the the business that provides um, provides their house, their food. You know, provides for their family. So, I think all of that stuff. I just want to make sure all the listeners uh, know that this is going to be very actionable. It's going to be stuff that's really going to help you out. And Catherine has promised 
to keep it light and fun <laughs> and to make it interesting to all of you guys listening. Uh, because again, tax planning does not sound sexy. We're going to make it sexy and fun. <laughs> How does free money sound, you know? Free money. That's going to be the title of this yeah. uh, of this uh, <laughs> podcast episode, so that it gets downloads, so that people actually won't um, won't zip right past it. Yeah, free money. So, talk to me about free money. Yeah. So, you know, for um, for my firm, one of the big things we've been doing with a lot of people is taking advantage of the COVID aid. Uh, because a lot of the a lot of the programs that were around had a limited window, but some of the programs didn't. Um, and so the one that we're doing a lot with imp- currently with you know restaurants is the employee retention credit. Uh, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard of it. Uh, many probably have gotten it already. Uh, but it's one of those credits where it's up to twenty six thousand dollars per employee potentially, which is you know for how many employees that restaurants have that can be it's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Um, and so we've been seeing, you know, even for kind of small to mid-sized operations, uh, you know, anywhere from a quarter of a million dollars uh, up. And that's, you know, actual cash that they get back from the government. And the, the nice thing with the program is it's unlike with the PPP money where it's a, they only had so much funds to give out. This is a, it's a tax credit. And so what that means is, you're legally entitled to that money. It's like filing a tax return for a refund. You know, the IRS, it's, you know, yours to claim. Uh, it's just up to you to go after it uh, and, you know, have somebody claim it for, you know, help you with the claiming. So you said this is a big part of what you've been doing, certainly the last, you know, year or two. Uh, is this just, is this a particular area where people are just not uh, not aware of this or they don't know how to do this? How did you... How did you slip into this and why is this sort of like front and center in your in your mind? So for me, my background has always been tax, but over the years I got really much more uh, focused on the planning work and just really interested in how can I actually make the knowledge that I have work for people's businesses in a way that's going to move the needle uh, and you know reduce how much they're paying, increase their cash flow, and really benefit their business in a way that's substantial because filing forms is great but it's not as satisfying (laughs) as being able to you know cut a tax bill in half or uh you know get somebody a big credit that's going to make them able to you know finance a bunch of new equipment that they want or whatever it is so how we got into doing these credits you know our firm was founded around trying to find ways to actually help business owners beyond just filing forms i think for us the real focus has always been how do we take this esoteric tax knowledge and convert it into something that's actually going to help people in a substantial way? And I found that using the knowledge that we had to do things like reduce people's tax bills or get them actual money back from the IRS was a, a lot more fulfilling for me as a professional. And so during the pandemic, watching what was unfolding, especially with a lot of the credits like the employee retention credit, um, you know, a lot of other CPA firms were just so bogged down in trying to just meet the basic filing requirements of getting tax returns done that they missed out on a lot of these credits. Um hmm. And the other piece of it, too, is because a lot of these are one-time programs, there's a lot of legislation around it. 
And so for a lot of smaller CPA firms, it was really hard for them to really take this on and tackle it and do it justice. Because like anything with taxes, they try to be uh, fair. And so it just makes it really complex. So (laughs) basically what my firm did, you know, we decided really early on, if we're in for a penny, we're in for a pound. And so if we're going to do these, we're going to be kind of the, you know, an expert firm to do them. So I do a lot of them for other CPA firms and other, you know, institutions just because, We've basically built, a, you know, an automated system to do a lot of the data cleaning that's involved and just have a really high quality output product because I know for the kind of dollar volumes that are involved with these. And like I said, it's, you know, up to $26,000 per employee that really adds up quickly. Uh, we try to make the process kind of idiot proof and where you're not going to run into issues with the IRS or anything like that. But that was how we kind of initially got into them. So tell me then somebody's listening to the show and they say, hey, I I love this free money. So talk to me and I didn't know anything about the employee retention credit or I heard people talking about it, but I didn't know if I was, um, if that was available to me. How do people know whether it's available to them just as like a, as a first step? Yeah, so as a first step, uh, you know, there's a couple different people that can do them. Uh, You know, I've seen there's kind of four main people that that will do them. Uh, Your CPA, your your tax practitioner, so like your CPA or whoever's doing your taxes, they could do it. Uh, Payroll providers could do it. Um, There's specialty companies that aren't CPA firms that do them. And then there's companies like mine where we're a CPA firm, but we specialize in it. Uh, So those are kind of the four different places you could go. Uh, pretty much anybody that you work with is going to be able to give you an estimate of eligibility. I think the one area where I try to tell people is a, a red flag is, uh, you know, for restaurants, they tend to be more complex claims because you have things like uh, the tips and you have, uh, you know, multiple rounds of PPP, other, you know, grants or other aid that was available that a lot of restaurants took advantage of and those all interact with this so i'd recommend you go to somebody who's going to be a cpa to deal with it because they are complex and because it's just such a big dollar volume right you don't want to have the irs coming back to you in two years and having an issue with your claim you know I, i joke with people it's like getting getting botox right you're not paying for the Botox, you're paying for the placement, you know, like you're paying for that expertise, you know, nobody wants to get a bad Botox job done. Yeah. Uh, and it's the same thing with, you know, tax credits. It's, uh, it's, it's one thing to get the checks in the mail and that's great, but what you're actually paying for is the correctness, right? And the ability to make yep. it through an audit, you know, if that happens. And that's not to say that, you know, the IRS is going to go crazy auditing these or something like that, but just, you know, when you get a check in the mail from the IRS for three hundred grand, you want to know that it's you know it's yours. It's actually and yours. Gonna, yeah, and you're not going to have any problems with it. Um, so I usually say, you know, if people are interested in getting an assessment, it's something that my company does complimentary. Uh, you know, and especially for anybody who's in the restaurant industry, you're going to qualify for something. It's just a matter of you know how much, um, and that comes down to you know your particular circumstances. But I'd say pretty much anybody in the restaurant industry are going to qualify for something. So you sound so confident there. So tell me, where does that, um, because I'm sure there are people sitting here listening and going like, oh, I'm not going to get it. I already got this money and that money and this money. I bet you I'm not going to get it. It's not worth going down that road. But you sounded so, you sound so confident. So talk to me about that. Why, why is it that, uh, that you feel so confident? How, how, where does that come from? Uh, having done so many of these. <laughs> okay. I've not had a restaurant that I had to turn away yet. Um, you know, basically how the credit works is it's based on your headcount and it's based on, 
you, there's two ways you can qualify. One is having certain revenue declines, um, and then the other is government shutdown orders or government interference in your operations. And for the okay. most part, every restaurant out there had government interference in their operations. Uh, you know, beyond the points where it's uh, you you know you qualify for eligibility. And so even if you got things like PPP money or other grants, it tends to be because the duration of that those government interferences were so long for so many people. Uh, yep. That you're still going to end up qualifying, you know, for some wages just because of the, because of the duration of, you know, how long things were, you know, capacity limitations or, you know, full shutdowns of indoor dining or, uh, you know, having to reduce the hours that you could operate. Any of those kinds of things are going to end up qualifying for you. And so many restaurants were impacted for so long with those restrictions that. Uh, they, you know, I haven't had a single one come across my desk where it was, uh, oh, no, sorry, you don't qualify. Or, oh, it's, you know, it's not going to be worth pursuing. I'd say yeah. the only thing that, you know, could make it to the point where it's not pursuing is if you just don't have that big of a headcount. So if you're running a very small operation, you know, with, say, under five regular employees, then, you know, that it's probably not going to be worth your while. But for most operations where you're at least 10, 15, 30, 40, yep. you know, it's going to be a pretty substantial credit for you. Yeah. And so then how does that process work? Um, again, make make tax sound really light and fun. Like, <laughs> how does the process work? They come to you, they come to you or they go to their CPA and they sort of do a do an audit, do a check and say and determine what it is. Like, talk to me, like walk me through the couple of steps yeah. here um, to just just shine a light on it. Yeah, the, the basic process is we ask for a couple reports. Usually it takes an hour to put them together. Um, once we have that, we just run a napkin calculation of, okay, looks like you're qualified for $100,000, $150,000. Here's the, you know, the credit. Um, we get into, you know, we work really nicely with outside CPA firms. So we loop in the existing CPA to let them know what's going on. Um, and then just make sure, you know, any questions that you have get answered because it, there are some complexities with it. And so we want to make sure you kind of have the full scope of what goes on with them. But for the most part, once you've got that, uh, you know, that estimate of what it is, then, you know, we talk, you know, fees and that sort of thing. And, and then we just get the credit processed. And, you know, in five months, you get that check back from the IRS in the mail. That's basically the process. Yeah, for sure. And is that, is it literally a physical check or does yep. it just come it's off? It's literally your... a check that comes back in, or it's usually <laughs> multiple checks uh, that come back in the mail to you from the IRS. Yeah, that's great. Um, so it sounds so, it sounds so easy. Um, why are people so afraid of it? Um, I think most people just don't really know about it. Um, and I, I think the other piece of it too is a lot of CPAs have kind of spooked their clients off of it because they don't, they know enough to know that it's complex and that they don't, if they haven't invested the time into really mastering it themselves, they, you know, think that, oh, okay, well, uh, you know, it, it's just not going to work. Like I've had people where I've dealt with the existing, usually what happens with us is when we work with a client and we work with their existing CPA, they're like, oh, great. You know, we usually talk shop with the other CPA. <laughs> you imagine yeah. how much of a snore fest that would be for the clients yeah. to have to sit on that. <laughs> we usually talk talk shop with the existing CPAs and they're like, okay, great. And then they usually start sending us, you know, more of their other clients because it, it is, it's kind of a unique specialty thing to be able to do them, you know, for some of the smaller, you know, if you're just, if you, if you're, I usually say like, if you're CPA, it's like them and a couple other people working in the company, you know, for the most part, they're not going to have the ability to handle these or, you know, handle 
like the high ticket ones like restaurant claims usually are. So it's good to work with a, yep. a company like ours where we're just like a specialized CPA firm. Yeah. So that's specific to what's going on right now in the world. And like you said, this is a one-time credit and this is going to disappear eventually. When will this disappear? So it's going to start phasing out in about uh, nine months to a year is when Great. it starts to phase out. So I'd say it's one of those things where... You know, you want to take advantage of it as soon as possible, especially, you know, if you think if you're a restaurant and you, you know, very likely could be getting over $100,000 back, it's like, do you really want to sit on that for another year or like, yeah. you know, like, what could you be using that money for now? Um, yeah. Yeah. So there know. is some some urgency here. So yeah. then talk to me about because obviously you do more than just this, but this is something that you you specialize in. So tax planning and, and finding credits and all that. Let's broaden the conversation then, if we may, if we can, from just this, this employee retention credit, to some of the other stuff you do, some of the other things that might be available out there to small business owners. Yeah, sure. I'm always happy to uh, share some of my best tips and tricks with people and see if they can That's take advantage of things. Yeah. Listen, it's all about keeping it actionable so that people can listen yep. here, not just nod their head and say, that was really great. I learned a lot. But like, I learned a lot. Now I'm going to go get money. Now I'm exactly. going to go drive more exactly. sales. Now I'm going to go find better employees. Now, so it, we, the whole point of the show is to keep things ap- actionable. So in the mm-hmm. spirit of that, keep things, make things actionable for the listeners. Yeah, I'd say for the most part, you know, if you're a self-employed person, what's it, you don't need to know really how taxes work. It's more you just need to know enough to have the right people working for you. So I always uh, I always tell people, you know, the main action items that I always see in business owners mess up on is they expect their CPA to be uh, proactive with them. They expect their CPA to like catch problems or to be looking for ways to save the money. And for the most part, tax professionals, we just don't really work like that. Um, you know, my firm's a little different. There's some other firms that are different out there, but for the most part, I'd say the, the biggest action item that I, I tell most business owners is don't expect your CPA to check in on you. Don't expect them to find you opportunities. You kind of have to become your own advocate with that kind of thing, just because of the nature of kind of my profession. So I usually tell people, if you're a business owner, you want to at least be meeting with your tax professional like four times a year or at least two times a year outside of tax season, because a lot of the planning things that you can do to actually try to pay less in tax, you have to do them before the year's over. So if you are if you want to do strategies like buying equipment so that you can get the write-offs uh, to reduce how much you're paying in tax on, you know, say equipment that you finance uh, and, you know, kind of trying to arbitrage on those kinds of things, you have to do it during the year. So really okay. getting into a good habit of... Um, Keeping your numbers updated, too, is really important so that you can actually have data that you can do forecasting off of. You know, if you're waiting until the end of the year to get all your bookkeeping done and you don't look at financial statements, like you don't do any of that kind of stuff because you say you don't have, you know, you like you do what you do because you like doing it. And doing the accounting is not going to be part of, you know, unless you're a very particular person, you're not going to like it. But it's important to get that kind of stuff in place. So then uh, let me pause here and just say that the listeners of the show, and I know because I've been in this industry for 22 years and I have worked with a lot of small business owners, they're really good at what they do. And mm-hmm. the nature of being a restaurant owner is that you've got to be an expert in a lot of other things that you yeah. weren't really good at, right? Like 
you got to be good at marketing. You got to be good at, you know, basic bookkeeping. You got to be good at, you know, plumbing and, uh, you know, and, and culinary and HR yeah. and leadership. And you got to be good at so many things. So I'm sure there's some pushback from the listeners now. They're driving and probably saying, like, I don't have any more bandwidth to then become an expert in tax planning. So your point was, you know, don't leave it to the their tax professional, their CPA or whatever to come and say, hey, here's here are 10 different ways that you might be able to save. So how how are they supposed to go inf- educate themselves about yeah. this stuff so that they can well, approach think, their CPA? Yeah, I don't think they have to. Ed- it's not so much that you have to educate yourself. It's just that you have to be your own advocate. So, you know, with bookkeeping, okay. like the, the usually the first piece of advice I give people is pay somebody else to do it. Don't even try to do it yourself. Pay somebody else to do it because it's you know for you to lose that headspace to having to take on something that's easily delegated to somebody else not worth it you know pay the 400 bucks pay the thousand dollars whatever it is a month to get that headspace back because if you can be spending your time in your business doing things that are going to drive revenue and are things that you actually like doing that's a much better use of your time than trying to learn how to do bookkeeping Um, you know especially where from what I've seen people do, you're just not going to do it correctly. Um, and it's going to be frustrating for you. You're going to hate it. You're going to start to hate your business because you hate it. Just pay somebody else to do it, you know, and find ways that you can add, you can get that, ex- you know, you can drive revenue instead of just trying to reduce an expense that's going to serve you better. So I'd say that. And then with the, you know, the CPA question, it's really, I, I always tell people, you know, if you're going to go, if you're going to have a CPA relationship, you just tell that person on the front end when you go meet with them, say, hey, I know, you know, I'm going to need help during the year. I want to pay you to do meetings and not just file my tax return. And I want you to be, you know, I will pay you for your time, but I want you as a partner, as an advisor, and to help me pay less in taxes. That's the goal of my relationship with you, not just meeting my filing requirement. Because I think most people will go to their CPA, you know, people think that that's what they're paying the CPA for, but unless you're really explicit with it, and like, no, I want to pay you, you know, whatever your hourly rate is to figure out, should I be in an S corporation or not that you have to come up with this stuff, but just, you know, hey, the nature of this relationship is I want somebody that's going to help me pay less in taxes. Is that what you guys do? Um, so it's about managing the expectation of the relationship exactly. and just saying, yeah. hey, this is this is what I need from you. And so we're going to put four meetings on the books over the year. And yep. in advance of that, I'm going to send you a reminder email and I'm going to expect that you come in with. Hey, here are the ten questions you're going to ask me, or here are the the six things that uh, you know that I think you need to know about, or, or whatever that is. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Pop Menu has reimagined the restaurant. They are breaking the mold of the menu, taking the kitchen doors off the hinges, and serving up their most comprehensive technology solution yet. It's called Pop Menu Max. It comes with all the previous ingredients that you've heard me mention on this podcast. Right? We've been talking about it for months. Websites designed with SEO, marketing tools that help keep you top of mind with guests, and of course, their patented interactive menu technology. But now, this new recipe brings automated phone answering to the table, brings third-party online order aggregation, waitlisting, all of that and more. For example, Pop Menu's phone answering technology has your ringing phones covered with artificial intelligence, right, AI. The simple questions that keep your phone line tied up can now be handled by a computer without pulling a staff member away from your in-person hospitality. So no more missed calls, no more missed reservations, no more people bothering you to ask about your hours or, or anything, no more missed revenue. 
The computer's gonna handle all that and that is just the beginning. You have a passion for food, Pop Menu has a passion for technology. Together, it is a recipe for restaurant success. Now even more digital ingredients are in their technology pantry, if you will, and Pop Menu is helping restaurants attract, engage, remarket, and transact with their guests on a whole new level. Trust me, if you're a restaurant owner, you need Pop Menu to take your business to the next level. For a limited time only, get $100 off your first month, plus you get to lock in one unchanging monthly rate. Go to popmenu.com slash restaurant strategy to claim the offer. Again, that's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash restaurant strategy. As always, that link is in the show notes. So talk to me about bookkeeping and how bookkeeping, and this might, maybe we start transitioning over to the other part of the conversation that I said, or maybe we got a sort of a foot in both uh, in both yeah, yeah. pools here, but like, Talk to me about what a good bookkeeper can do for the business, because I agree with you. I find that a lot of small business owners, um, for example, don't forecast, right? They don't yep. Um, yep. They don't build pro formas so that they can't budget. And so they just sort of build their weekly schedule and they, you know, the way that they think it should be. And they don't understand why they only know looking backwards and they say, oh, man, we ran really high labor last yeah. week. It's like, yep. oh but you didn't project, you should have looked back at the last three years and saw what the first week in May was and you know, made the decision like, oh, it's gonna be crazy, oh, it's gonna be a little bit slower, whatever that is. So you can do, So for me, that's usually the first part. I mean, is that something that you can expect a bookkeeper to do to not only take, uh, you know, not only take charge of the books, like what's going in, what's going out, but to, to look forward and, and, and do some planning on behalf of the business owner? So, you know, most bookkeepers are not going to be able to handle that. It, it just depends on who you work with and what you need and, you know, what your own skill set is coming into it. You know, if you're the mm -hmm. kind of person where you're like, I'm not a finance person, you know, I just like to be on the battle lines with, you know, trying to get operations through and trying to get, you know, get people in and out. And that's what I like doing. And I don't like dealing with any of this, you know, finance planning stuff. Find somebody else who can do that for you. Um, and because the thing is, is if that falls onto your plate and, you know, you don't like it, you're just going to keep procrastinating it and not yep. dealing with it. And it's one of those things where you, you just have to have a system for how you're going to deal with it. And so usually the best the way systems. is to pay somebody else to do, <laughs> do it. Great. So then talk um, to me about that. So when we're talking about, so obviously the part of what we're talking about today is tax planning and understanding some of the credits and the, and the things that are available you know, and uh, and we'll get back into that pool and you'll give us some more tips and stuff. But talk to me about then how we plan, how you partner with a bookkeeper or, a, mm -hmm. you know, an accounting service to to get the things. And what do what do restaurant owners need? What are the systems that should be in place to help them to help them be more successful? Yeah, I'd say, you know, the first thing that you want to do is really think through and, you know, it's good to find people that can do con consulting on this. So if you work with like a, you know, you want to have your tax records be correct. So you're going to need to have your bookkeeping set up so your ta tax records are correct. So ask your CPA about it. Um, you know, like how do they need things to be? And uh, do they have advice? Do they have bookkeepers that they can recommend if they handle a lot of other restaurant clients? You know, what do other people do? Um so thinking about that, you know, how are we going to get our tax records correct? And then the second piece of it is, you know, getting an accounting system in place. So something a lot of people use like QuickBooks Online 
That's a very popular platform. Other mm-hmm. people use things that are specific to the restaurant industry because they're able to handle, um, you know, things like your inventory, you know, managing inventory, uh, managing payroll, a lot of that other stuff. So it just depends on the scale of your operation, what kind of system you need in place to do that data collection. But I think thinking on the front end, you know, if you're just getting started or you're kind of in the middle of things of, you know, what's, what's the dream setup of, you know, what is, what kind of data do I actually want to know about? Or like, what do we even need to be tracking? Um, and really just like taking some time, you know, away from your computer, away from people and thinking through like, if this thing worked, you know, if this thing was perfect, what would it be? And then kind of backing your way into what, you know, what that'll be. And that's, um, you know, usually where I tell people to start is you need, you need what's going to be right for your tax your tax works to be right. And that's something that your CPA can just work with you on. Um, And then on the other side of it, it's like, well, what do I actually need to know to make the decisions that I need to make? It's, uh, and how do I, you know, if I need to know what my cash is going to be two weeks from now, or how am I going to fund my payroll? uh, How am I going to put a system in place so that that stuff's just available for me to know? And it's, you know, you can pay a bookkeeper. And then there's other tools out there that you can use too that help with the process of like cash flow forecasting or budgeting and those sorts of things. But I think it's one of those things where you do have to kind of plan it ahead of time and devote the headspace to really getting, you know, getting an action plan in place for how you're going to do that stuff. So talk to me a little bit more deliberately about that, because I think what we do. Okay. Is looking at the numbers and then saying, oh, well, I think we were slow because of X, Y, and Z, or I think we didn't make as much revenue. I think we were crazy that night because of X, Y, and Z. But what we don't do is look ahead, you know, look back at historical data and use that to make informed decision moving forward. And you had said, you know, figure out the what data you're going to need, um, which data is going to be most important for you so that you can forecast, so that you can budget, et cetera. How do people begin to do that? Because I think for me, it's like a mindset shift, right? Yeah. It's like, we do things this way and it's getting people to understand that it's the same amount of work it's just putting the effort in a different direction instead of back it's forward or yeah so how do you begin to think about that and how do you advise small business owners and in particular restaurant owners to do this i'd say the first step is you need to have a system that's collecting data correctly and that's just a matter of like paying the bookkeeper or paying the whoever to make sure that you have updated financials um, so that you have them on time. And then once you have that piece in place, so you can say, all right, at the beginning of each month, I can have a profit and loss statement that shows me what happened. So at least I can know what happened in a timely Mm -hmm. way. Uh, and then from there you say, okay, now I know what happened. So let's look to the future, um, and what's coming. And so that usually with a forecasting process, it's something where I tell people, you know, the person who's doing your books, you can just ask them like, okay, I want to do a, like a budget, you know, a budget for this month, a budget for six months, a budget for a year. Where do we think we're going? You know, where's revenue going? Is it going up, mm-hmm. going down, uh, up and down, you know, fluctuating seasonally, whatever it is. Yep. What do we think it's going to be? Um, you know, what are the reasons why? And, you know, kind of charting that out and you can use tools for it. You can just, you can use Excel for it. You know, it doesn't yep. have to be that fancy. And I think a lot of the time, too, people want to, you know, especially when it's financial stuff, they're afraid to kind of just do ballpark numbers, you know, and like you don't have to have every single account perfect. You don't have to have it very granular. But can you think through, you know, where, you know, what are reasonable expectations for what the budget's going to be for, you know, your top line 
and then your expenses. You know, it's usually a little easier to budget for expenses than it is for top line because, you know, how is this marketing campaign going to perform? You know, if we're a restaurant and the weather's, you know, an out, semi-outdoor operation and the weather's going to be garbage for, you know, th three weekends in a row, that's really hard to predict. But at least on the expense side of it, um, you know, projecting labor costs and, okay, well, how many people are we adding on? Or, yeah. uh, you know, especially I think for a lot of people in, in this industry right now, it's you know, inflation with food costs, yeah. you know? Well, and, here's the amazing thing is that, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about prime costs in yep. this industry because we live and die by those and they're both so hefty. You talked about inflation, right? Like yeah. cost of goods sold. If you didn't raise your prices four times in 2021, you got killed. If you yeah. haven't raised them twice so far this year, you're getting killed. And I and I mean that really seriously. They they have to be um, they have to stay fluid, you know, and especially as we try to entice employees back in. You know, we looked at our books in 2019 and our you know, our, our payroll's thirty percent higher. Yeah. Than it was there simply because we have to pay people more to do the same job yep. because the way the world has changed. So I, I will say that, you know, for me, making sure that restaurant owners understand that there's a relationship or there should be a relationship between revenue and cost of goods sold, between yeah. revenue and labor and understanding that those expenses are tethered to an overall revenue number, which is where you get the which is where you get the the budget you know building a pro forma so that you can yep. forecast which again forecast is a fancy way of saying educated guess like yep. you said it yourself right it doesn't have to be perfect down to the penny but just like about how many covers do we think we're going to do this week what mm -hmm. about next week what about the week after what did we do last year or the year before or the year before and i know historical data is hard because we've had you know a blip on the on the you know in our history here but you can look at historical data, you can look at recent trends, inflation and the labor market and, and, and all of that, and make an educated guess, otherwise called a forecast. Um, you know, you don't need, you know, <laughs> you don't have, need a um, you know, statistics degree to, to do it. Um, but places, uh, places don't do it, restaurants don't do it. But you're saying that, you know, coordinating with your tax professional, whoever does them, and a bookkeeper, this is something you can talk to them and say, hey, this is something that we want to be doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I find too that that really helps with the accountability of it. You know, if you say to your bookkeeper, hey, we're going to do a meeting Monday morning every week for 30 minutes where we're going to talk about this stuff, you know, you as a business owner, you're going to do it because now you've got somebody showing up, right? Yep. Um, and I think just that piece of it alone, that accountability piece of say, you know, bringing an outside person to saying, okay, we're going to have a meeting where we're going to talk about this stuff once a week or once every two weeks. Yep. It'll make you do it. And that's the main thing is getting in the habit of doing it. Um, and I would say the other piece too, that I, you know, once you kind of have those budgetary numbers in yep. the piece that I always tell people to look next is, okay, well, you know, what are the, the non-financial things that are inputs that are affecting these numbers, right? Because the financial numbers, those are really downstream, right? Those are the outputs, but what are the inputs that we're looking at? And how do we want to keep an eye on those and modify those to see how they're relating to those outputs? You know, like an advertising so like budget. You know, yeah. So explain to one. me what some of these inputs are when you when you say that. What sort of things are they? So it would be you know things like uh, you know a really common one is like an advertising budget, right? Uh, you know, how much are we spending on marketing? Are we seeing you know a performance from it? Um, 
what are, you know, different initiatives that we have of things we're trying to do in the business and are there ways to track performance of it? Like our, um, you know, are we participating, if we have say like a catering business, like are we participating in, you know, joint events or things like that, that are getting our name out there or, um, you know, what are, what are those kinds of inputs that are things that we can change that are going to increase our increase our top line or decrease our bottom line that are the non-financial things like you know yep. the number of employees or um the uh you know number of vendor relationships or there's just different things like that that can you know those are the things that are upstream of the the numbers that you're looking at because it's ultimately you're trying to change your behavior right you're trying to change yeah. things that you're doing and yeah, so I to just that. see that you know that financial information that's like kind of the results but it's really you know well what are we doing and yep. how do we tie that in in a way so that we can track you know what we're doing and then what you know try to correlate that to what the results we're getting so that we can change our behavior because that's ultimately what you're trying to do is like Financial information is great for making decisions and, and decisions about, you know, taking action or, you know, not taking action and, and how mm -hmm. you're going to do that. Um, so that's really, you know, with that inputs piece, it's it's the non-revenue things that you also want to start tracking that are going to help you make help you make decisions and understand, you know, get that data correlated with with what you're doing. Yeah. For sure, this is so great. See, we're making we're making tax um, we're making taxes fun. <laughs> Go back to me and talk about you know tax planning. And again, we, we sort of have a, a foot in both um, both yards right now. Um, what what else can people be doing? You know, can they take action on um, soon today, tomorrow, quickly? They could set up a meeting. You know, what else can they be taking action on to recover some money that's that's already belongs to them? Um, or to, to plan out their cash flow better um, so that they're not worrying about making payroll every week, et cetera, et cetera. Talk to me about some of that. Yeah, I would say, you know, f first piece is internal operational, right? So you always want to think of, okay, well, um, on the internal operations side, I'd say the biggest action items are if you don't have a system around getting, you know, accurate financials regularly, you need to pay somebody to do that. And just like go out there, talk to your accountant, talk to your friends who have restaurants that are nearby to you. What do they do? Who do they use? Find somebody to do that for you so you got good data coming in regularly. That's the first piece. Uh, and then once you've got that in place, okay, now we know what's going on historically. We need to do forecasting and we need to do cash flow forecasting. You can probably get the same person who's doing your books to help you with that process because it's not actually that complex, right? You take a profit and loss statement and you say, okay, this is what it was. What's it going to look like next month? All right, let's shoot from the hip. It's going to go up this much, down this much. This is roughly what it did last year. This is probably what it's going to do this year. And then you just plot it out on, you know, an Excel document. It's like revenue, you know, was 200K last month. This month we think it's going to be 225 or it's going to be 185 or, and you can shoot yep. from the hip, right? So that's the next step of it. And I'd say with that, with the accountability, just schedule a regular weekly meeting, either with that outside bookkeeper person or somebody else in your operations so that you will be held accountable and stick to doing that um, to help you make those decisions. And so that's the internal operations piece that I would say are the two you know, big action items. Um, and then when it comes to the tax planning, a lot easier, right? Because you're not actually going to have to do the footwork for most of the things that get executed. Um, I always tell people tax planning is one of those things that it's per your man hour as a business owner can be one of the highest return on investment activities you can do. Because if you can pay a CPA to tinker with your entity structure and it shaves off 10% of your taxes, 
and it only takes you like two hours and you know a couple meetings to execute that that's a pretty high return on investment of your time um so that's why you know with the tax planning piece of it i always say it's uh you know it, it can it gets confusing and a little in the weeds uh sometimes working with accountants on it but it can be a really high rate of return on your actual time of things that you're yeah, doing yeah that's interesting yeah so some of it like you were saying like like just shifting your entity the what what else are some actions or activities um that'll have a, a big impact in that same way yeah so i'd say you know the top tier one for the restaurants is going to be going after tax credits um you know that one's like especially the employee retention credit that's going to be the biggest art that's going to be a you know a huge one-time bump uh if you can get that one which you know if you haven't already gotten it you're probably eligible for it you can reach out to a company like mine and we'll um, do the assessment for you but that's you know that's the first thing i would go after because it's like that's an easy win it's low-hanging fruit for you um, and then the second piece of it is go go back to your tax professional um, you might have to shop around a little bit for other tax professionals but just tell them like hey I don't want to pay you just to do my tax return. I want to pay you to help me reduce how much I'm paying. And so if it's going to take you 10 hours to help me do some more planning items that are actually going to reduce how much I'm paying, let's do it. You know, that's, I'll pay you, you know, two grand or three grand to save me 20, 30, right? It's like, that's easy math. Yep. Um, and so that's just something where you need to have a conversation with that person. And if they're not of that mindset or, you know, they're just not as competent for things like that, uh, then I'd say it's worth shopping around on, right? And trying to find somebody else who's got that that specialty who's in your lo you know local area who can do that that planning work um, that's going to be able to you know help you. And uh, usually, what the tax professional is going to do is they're going to look at things like what's your entity structure, um, what are you doing for retirement planning. Because those are the do the two biggest pieces that are going to move the needle, like percentage points for on tax planning, mm -hmm. and then taking advantage of different smaller programs that are recurring. So there's things like you've got the tips credit, you've got the worker opportunity tax credit, um, you've got other local programs. Like I know I have a lot of clients in Massachusetts. There's currently like a labor grant for Massachusetts companies, you know things like that. Can you take advantage of those things? Can you do things like hire your kids? Um, you know, should you do things like buy your building? Those kinds of questions, you know, are, are those, it's, those are things outside of the scope of filing a tax return. And so yeah. you just have to tell your CPA, like, Hey, I want you to help me think through these things. And I want to find places where I can actually do things to pay less. Um, yeah. and I think if you change that conversation with them, they'll be able to bring ideas to you. It's so interesting. One of the um, one of my clients that I coach with, uh, they're a, a company. Uh, they're a small company within a much bigger umbrella, and they're really good at this. And one of the things that I do is I offer coaching, mm -hmm. um, executive coaching, you know, for for restaurant owners all over the country. Um, and I'm offering a new program, and basically, uh, they've started putting in a lot of their managers to go through the program. Uh, because it teaches like it's an eight-week program, and what they realize is that they can recover seventy-five percent of the cost um, from the state from their state, and yep. it didn't take a lot of. I mean, I'm telling you, it was like two hours of work, and they recovered, you know, five figures worth of, um, yep. you know, worth of money that they put out, and so that works because it's uh, staff development. Right, mm -hmm. it's, it's uh, you know helping them get better, but it's helping them feel 
uh, more involved, more part of it. It's it's giving them you know more opportunities to grow within the the company. It was like it blew my mind. It blew they were, but they're really really good at finding these sorts of things. Yeah, and uh, that was one of the things we always talk about staff development. You know, and um, how hard it is to to train managers right it's like last man standing becomes the new manager like yeah oh, yeah <laughs> you're the uh, you're the most senior server uh yeah. the manager just did something really stupid last night so we had to fire him so do you want to be the new manager sure how do i be a new manager well here's the keys and let me show you how to turn the lights on and off like yeah as if that's enough you know we're, yeah you know and so now we're working on giving them you know really what do we mean by management you know how do you work you know interpersonal skills leadership how do we set vision um, how do we budget? How do we manage for budget? How do we, you know, how do we manage for the bottom line? And what are the things uh, that we can look at? And so we're sort of giving that education. But when you talk about tax credits, it just popped up in my mind because this is mm-hmm. sort of fresh in our mind right now because they've got eight of their managers who are now going through this program that I offer um, uh, because they thought it was a good idea and they thought it was an even better idea when they realized they could recover 75% of the, the money they put out to it, which was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And there are a lot of programs out there like that. And especially for restaurants, you know, there are a lot of local programs or state run programs and and things like that. And I think, you know, you as an owner, your best time investment with your tax situation isn't you trying to Google things and figure it out yourself. It's really shop around for tax professionals and see who in your local area kind of has that mindset and is going to take ownership of that part of your business and take it off your plate that's what you're looking for right yeah. um and so to spend the time of okay if my if my guy you know just gives me tax returns that's it tells me where to write the check to and i you know tell him i want to do meetings and tell him you know help me save taxes and they just are you know they kind of kick you back you know it, instead of you trying to educate yourself and then bringing things to that person you should think about switching uh, and finding yeah. somebody who's going to have that alignment and who has that mindset of how do I take things off your plate? You know, you as a business owner, you shouldn't have to know everything. You know, you know, you need, you just need to know enough so that you can make the right decisions. But beyond that, you know, that's why you dealt. You have to delegate stuff like this. You know, the fi- the financial pieces and especially the tax work. It's and so it's it's just a matter of finding the you know somebody that's going to share that vision and be a driver towards you know bringing you opportunities and and you know finding you finding you things like this and that's yeah you know. I, I love it i i think that's great i want to i want to shift gears a little bit because we, we got a few more minutes left and i want to i, I want to ask you a few questions because you have the luxury of being able to peek behind the curtain at a lot of different businesses i yeah. say this to a lot of guests who come on the show because a lot of them are consultants are you know offer professional services um I was uh, and 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 I think there's I think there's value simply because uh, we're so siloed in our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, that was none more obvious than when we were trying, you know, as an industry, we're trying to lobby the government um, because there was no collective voice, and, and we got better at that over the course of two years. But we're all siloed, and we all do things our own way, and um, and nobody's really sure whether they're doing it right, and they're not sure if they're doing it. And, and again, we're we're sort of uh, infamous for for not really talking about things to other people, not really sharing what we do. So you get to look behind the curtain. Talk to me about some of the other things. What are the other things, that you, the, the common mistakes you see, and, and give us some fixes for those? Um, or what are the things that other industries do really well that we can sprinkle over the restaurant industry to, to be better at what we do? You know, I would say the most common mistake that I see 
new business owners make is they try to DIY um, and they try to do everything themselves instead of, okay, what are the, what are the things that you love? What are the things that you love the most about your business or about the pieces of the business and really take ownership and be excellent of those. But everything else, like you just need to get other people in place to help you with it. Because if you get to the point where you're having to do those other activities, like bookkeeping is the most common one that I think of, right. you're just going to grow to hate your business. And you're also just going to stall out because you're doing something that you're not going to be good at and you're not going to like. Um, and so you just need to hand things off. And I would say the other piece of it too that I see most commonly as a mistake is um, very early on paying, you wanna start working with people and getting in the same room with other business owners, especially, you know, that are in your industry that have the same vision for where they wanna go. You know, if you can do things like mastermind programs, um, coaching programs, anything that's gonna give you accountability to force you to drive the business forward not just operate in the business, uh, you know, long-term, that's going to be the most beneficial thing for you to do. Um, you know, and it's, it's tough because you're like, oh, really, am I going to drop like 10 grand on this program? Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's hard to say like, oh, well, like, well, what if it doesn't work or this, that, and the other? doesn't matter. Just do it. Trust me. Yeah. Just do it. You know, you got to do programs like that because unless you are in a space where you're going to be held accountable and you're working with people who are trying to do the same thing as you, or they've, you know, you're working with a coach who's been where you are, or they've taken yep. several businesses from where you are to where you want to be. Like you just have to, you just have to trust, and you just have to make that leap and do it. And I swear, I don't, I don't know Catherine that well, um, but I did not pay her to say that because this is what I do. This is the, the majority <laughs> of what I do. I host a weekly uh, show every single week on this podcast and the majority of my work is I run a series of masterminds, group coaching programs for business owners because I think there's real value um, in being able to share insights and and looking at things from a different perspective and like you said, accountability and you find a bunch of like-minded people who are saying, hey, I I wanna find a new way, I just don't know how and they collectively sort of head out into the desert together. Um, I love obviously hearing you say that because it's what I believe in, um, but you've obviously seen that firsthand uh and you've you've seen the impact that that's had oh yeah absolutely no and i can see a bright line difference you know when i work with clients who are you know in that mindset um and they want to grow and they're just aggressive about developing them developing themselves personally in order to be able to develop their business you know there's yep. just the amount of growth those people see versus the ones that are nope you know we've been doing this this way this is how we're going to keep doing this Yep. You know, I'm the one wearing all the hats. I'm the one doing all the work because, you know, nobody else can do it as good as I can. And they're, those people get stuck. They don't grow. They slowly fail. Um, it's the people who are, you know, what I need to have a team of excellent advisors around me and that I need to really grow myself personally. If this thing is going to be successful and, you know, we're going to develop this into a real enterprise and really make this thing work. I need to be that level of person. And in order for me to be that level of person, I need to be held accountable and I need to schedule that improvement and schedule that work and, uh, you know, and being financially on the hook for it. It's like, if you want to really succeed, you kind of have to bend your arm around your back and, you know, just make it happen, you know? Yep. I always say that when I, when I, when I have people who enter the program, I say, look, it's a, uh, it's an investment of time and it's an investment of money, but you carving out two hours a week, every single week for a year is gonna be good because you're gonna realize, oh, 
I got to carve out two hours a week. And you're going to realize that there's going to be a lot more than just the two hours a week that you're going to have to carve out. And, and with the, and with the money, like you said, you know, I said, yep, there, there's a, there's a financial commitment, but I want you to show up hungry and say, Hey, listen, I just put out a lot of money here. You, you better, you better deliver. I better deliver for myself yep. and my business and all of that. And I, I find that uh, people show up and really sit on the edge of their seat and, um, you know, really want to make a change, which is, which is yeah. great. Yeah. No, cause I always tell people, you know, when you're in business, you just, the mindset always has to be everything I'm doing is an investment. I'm either investing my time, I'm investing or investing resources. And so what's going to yep. give me the biggest return on that investment of my time and of, you know, money that I have and, you know, different things I have at my disposal, yep. like my employees or my equipment or whatever it is, everything's an investment. You always have to think in terms of what am I getting as a return on this investment of my time or whatever yep. it is. And you have to just go after the things that are going to be the highest return on investment activities you can be doing. Um, you know, and yep. if you get into that mindset, you know, I think very quickly the path becomes clear of you know, how you should be making decisions, how you should be allocating resources, what you as a business owner should be doing. Um, because, you know, if you're doing those low value tasks and you say, oh, I'm investing, you know, if I'd spent four hours figuring out my budgets and figuring out my cash flow and then maybe getting some like line of credit in place so that I could hire on some more people to do this, that or the other instead of, you know, me working the pizza oven or me, you know, cleaning the floor yep it starts yep. to make those it makes it much easier for you to make those decisions because you're like well where where am i investing my time and what am i actually getting back you know each hour for each hour yeah. each dollar whatever it is so i think that that framework's helpful we say it all the time right and it's a cliche at this point right you've got to you got to work on your business not just in your business and people hear it and they say it and it's like a mantra but but there's a reason we say that it's because if you can put systems in place and be more efficient at what you're doing um, efficiency just means less resources going into, you know, going into the task. If we can be more efficient, we can either do more or we can do it in less time. And that time is money. And um, understanding that, understanding what's at the end of the, what's at the end of the line, um, what stems from working on your business. And, and I think it, it, it's hard to see sometimes when you're at the beginning of the line to see all the way down to the end of the line, but it, it makes a big difference. Yeah, and it's a discipline, you know? It's hard when Ugh. everything seems like it's on fire to say, nope, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna let those fires burn because I gotta figure out my financial forecast. But that takes discipline to be able to do that and say, nope, I'm not answering the phone. You know, I'm getting this planning thing done. It's so true. It's so funny. I say, you know, people are like, oh, I just, I can't because I'm doing this, this, and this, and this. It's like, you think that's gonna be harder, but this is hard. What you're doing right now is hard. It's all hard. So we can do smart hard or not smart hard. Like let's just yeah. let's just yeah, do the hard yeah. thing that's smart that's going to get you ahead rather than the hard thing that's just going to be hard and and it's going to be over and over and over again. Again, the uh, the example we always say in the restaurants is that it's like whack a mole. It's like we're putting out fires all day long because we do. The bartender no show. The delivery didn't show up. The sink is leaking. The health department walked in. The, it's always something. There are eight somethings over the course of the day. Um, there's just a smarter there's a smarter way we can be doing it those that stuff's going to come up but if you put systems in place for dealing with those when they come up not if they come up but when they come up health department walks in twice a year there's there's nothing you can it it you're going to you don't know when they're going to walk in but it happens regularly right like something's going to break something's going to yep. somebody's going to no show people get sick people miss their train people get in a car accident people like 
their kids get sick. Like there's always, so it's not a matter of like, if this guy no shows, it's like when this guy no shows, what are, what are we going to do about it? And I think, I think, ta- you know, again, I think tax planning fits in uh, so nicely and we've done a great job for this hour to make it not boring. I want to be really <laughs> respectful of your time uh, and wrap things up. Any any lo- last thoughts? Again, you're speaking to an audience of small business owners, specifically independent operators in the restaurant industry. Um, any other any other advice you can pass on to them, things that we haven't already covered? And we've covered a lot of great stuff so far. Yeah, you know, I'd say the one thing is if you took action items away from this from this podcast, if you're driving your car or you walk in your dog or whatever, um, just stop what you're doing right now. Put it on your calendar of the things that you know that you need to deal with. So if it's like, hey, you know, I really need to hire that bookkeeper. I need to get that done. Put it on your calendar and get it done. Just decide right now that you're going to get this stuff done. Or like, hey, my CPA really stinks. I need to find somebody new. Just put it on your calendar right now. Decide you're going to get it done and and just do it. Um, you know, I would, I'd say that piece of it. And it's the same thing with the employee retention credit thing. It's like, if you know that this is something like, ah, yeah, I got to get to that. You just, just make that decision. Now talk to your accountant about it. You can reach out to my company. We do these for all sorts of different people all over the country Uh, and just, just go for it, you know? And you gave us a bunch of really good advice again in the, in the, you know, in the minutes before this, right? You said, you know, get a steady bookkeeper, somebody who can consistently put together your your financials and somebody who can also then start giving you forecasts, even just yep. rough for so you can get a sense of what you can expect so that you're you've got a PL every month and you've got a forecast or a, a pro forma every month. So you can say, Hey, this is what we did last month, this is what we think we're gonna do next month. And then at the end of next month you say, Okay, this is what we actually did last month with the PL, and then you look forward. So you want that. You want a CPA uh, or some sort of tax professional who's going to be um, as assertive as you need them to be. Somebody who's going to be a partner who can really advise you. And you recommend it at least two, three, four times a year where you get together and say, hey, what should I be doing? What should I What should I be looking at? Where are my, what are my things that I can take advantage of, right? I mean, those are the two big ones that you said. Yep. Yeah. Those, those are the, I think the two, the two biggest is, is to go after those and, yeah, I think that's that's the good, that's the best place to start. And it's just being proactive, you know, with those yeah. pieces. And then obviously the piece that we started talking about here is this employee retention credit, which is a one-time uh, a one-time government program uh, that will start to run out in the next 6 months to a year. And so there's real urgency to do this and it just it takes a, a call to your tax professional, to your CPA <laughs> or to a firm like you work at um, that this is not something you should be dragging your heels on. And in a lot of cases with restaurants, because they employ a lot of people, um, this can be a big, you know, six figure, um, six figure check. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. For most restaurants, that's what we've been seeing, that it's very high impact. And usually, you know, on our end, when we deal with clients, it's maybe one hour, two hours of document collection and that's it, you know, so it's really low hanging fruit to just put the time in and get them done. I love it. So where can people go to learn more about you, your firm, what you do, if they're interested in kind of asking you questions after listening to this, um, tell people where they can go. Yeah. So best place to get in touch with us, find more resources is our website. Um, it's dominiones.com. I'm sure it'll be somewhere in the show notes. Yep. And, uh, also, uh, you know, if you're a person that hangs out on LinkedIn, which I'm guessing maybe some of you do, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and posts articles there, uh, you know, other interviews, that kind of stuff on there, but always feel welcome to reach out on there as well. But awesome. Um, yes. 
And yeah. you're right. We will include all those links in the show notes uh, for sure so people don't have to go wander very far. Um, Catherine, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much uh, for sitting down to chat with us and uh, making sure that taxes don't sound boring because like you said, free money. Who doesn't like free, free money? money? Yep. it's And it's yours. You know, you're legally entitled to it from the government. You have every right to go after it. Um, you know, it's... Don't don't let it just languish away just because you don't want to have to rustle together uh, some profit and loss reports, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. My pleasure. Take care. Once again, I want to thank Catherine for taking time out of her day to speak with us. Remember, there is free money out there. There's money that belongs to you. It, you're leaving it on the table, so don't, don't drag your feet. There's some urgency here because this program will end end. So all the links are in the show notes. If you want to reach out to Catherine and her firm, see what they can do for you, or by all means, just reach out to your CPA and get this ball moving. See if there is money that you can go claim. Again, I want to thank you for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, I want to remind you again to join our challenge. It's a three-day marketing challenge on June 6th, 7th, and 8th. It's totally free. You sign up by visiting restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash challenge. I will see you there. 